Welcome to this week's Silk Grassroots Podcast. Big interview. Hashtag stay strong. Brought to you by the Down to Play app. Good evening. This is the next big interview series. Hashtag stay strong. Uh, tonight, I'm very honoured to be hosting a uh, ladies football, girls football, women's football uh, show with some uh, very, very uh, prominent people around the ladies game. We have players, coaches, uh, content producers, um, initiatives, uh, initiative founders and coaches. So I'm, I'm more than more than happy with our selection of guests. Good, good evening, everybody. Evening. Evening. <clears throat> Abby's here from our, match, from our Match Fix show. Uh, Charlotte from Eighth Wonder is here. Um, Natasha, um, a Wildcats coach, um, is here. Lois, a current uh, Millwall ladies uh, footballer, is here. And Alex, a Millwall coach, no booze at the back, a Millwall coach, <laughs> uh, is taking part tonight. So, guys, if I could ask you all just to introduce yourself. We'll start with Abby. Um Abby is our host of Match Fix, uh, our uh, ladies-focused um, podcast. Three uh, shows out um, so far, uh, fourth on its way. Abby, if you could introduce yourself for those that don't know, uh, just let us know um, your involvement in ladies football. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so um, as Andrew explained, I am Match Fix host. Absolutely loving that. Um, it's amazing to kind of get the chance to speak to so many incredible people involved in the women's game. Um, I think it's maybe easier to probably decide what I don't do. <laughs> I feel like people probably think, oh, she's everywhere. Um, so predominantly, I kind of started playing football myself when in kind of April 2019 for a team. Um, we got we got uh, folded, unfortunately, last year. So I joined another team. So I play football myself on a Sunday. Um, and then I also write about uh, all of the kind of women's football across all of the pyramid um, in the county of Berkshire predominantly. Um, but I write a little bit for a couple of other publications for Impetus and also for Roots TV. Um, yeah, so that's that's pretty much what I do, really. Not much then. No, <laughs> just a few things, you know. <laughs> uh, Lois, just tell us a bit about yourself. Um, a, fo- a footballer, as I said, uh, for Millwall ladies, um, not so long ago playing your stuff in grassroots football and now you've crossed over to um, the higher parts of um, ladies football. Just tell us a bit about your journey so far in football. Um, so I currently play for Millwall Lionesses as a centre-back. I moved up um, this season from the RTC, which is like the regional talent centre for the under-16s. Um, and before that, I was at Crystal Palace, grassroots club. Two really bad clubs for a Cheltenham fan. <laughs> yeah. Why did you invite her? Why did, I, why did you get her on, Alex? <laughs> no, there's no one better. <laughs> so, so, Lois, what, what club did you play for at grassroots level? Um, so, I played for, like, a quite local team before, and I played there for, I'd say, about seven years. And then um, I moved... a shout-out? Um, LTD. Um, okay. They're, like, um, Little Park Dynamos. Okay. Um, you probably haven't heard of them, but they are quite a big local team for us. Um, and then after that, I trialled probably quite a few times and then finally got into a higher place, which was Crystal Palace. Fantastic. And then I stayed there for a few seasons and then I actually got into a regional talent centre and then moved on to ladies football. Congratulations. <clears throat> uh, Charlotte, 
you want to tell us a bit about how you why why you saw the need to to start the eighth wonder initiative yeah certainly i think um, as a young woman growing up, my, my playing opportunities were, were a little bit limited, um, to say the least. It's kind of getting chucked in with boys' teams. There wasn't the Wildcat Centres, there wasn't the RTCs growing up, and yeah. certainly there were no women working in football, not visible women working in football. So it wasn't until I was in my late teens when um, I realised there were opportunities, that there were roles, and women did work in football, and um, just kind of pursued that, worked really hard volunteering in the grassroots game, managed to get a job working for my local county FA and then got my dream job working as the head of marketing at Gillingham Football Club, which was amazing. Mm. They were the team I supported as I was a little girl. Sorry about that. <laughs> Granddad was a Charlton boy, dad was Gillingham. So I, it was very blue and red in my household. Um, but yeah, I, I came away from that that time working in, in football, having volunteered for so long. And I guess I was just a little bit frustrated at the lack of, again, visibility of, of the roles out there for women to pursue and, and maybe found that there wasn't a network um, of women supporting each other with, with sometimes what it takes and to, to handle certain situations, to pursue careers in the game. Yeah. And so I created Eight Funder really targeting 14 to 20 year olds. And through the program, through the scheme, we host development days where we showcase careers, not playing, because I think there is a, a hell of a lot of investment into grassroots football and, and playing opportunities for women and girls. But for, for some people that doesn't always work out, but they still yeah. want to pursue an interest. So. Yeah. Yeah, we showcase that to young girls and it's brilliant because it's just generating these amazing leaders who are going to help make the game even more incredible in the future. So it's something I find really rewarding. How have you found the uptake on that? Do you, do you find that girls are a little bit shy perhaps to, to push themselves and go forward into that? Because as you say, there aren't, there are no, uh, there aren't that many prominent uh, females in, in the game. Do you, did you find at the beginning people were reluctant to, to get involved? It's really, really, that's a really interesting question. What we found with the development days is we had to do a lot of targeting. So promoting the opportunity, really explaining to participants what they would get from the day, because perhaps there is an element um, with, with young boys, they kind of go and then they show up and they don't really mind, they'll take it all on. But sometimes yeah. research has found with girls and for women, particularly when it comes to playing sport, they like to know sort of everything that's coming their way. So we, we used to get kind of, groups of girls turn up that were friends and then individuals here and there and often in the morning um, these young women would turn up and some of them were just bowling happy as Larry full of confidence there were some that you could see were slightly more reserved and the way we used to map out the days was that we would have icebreakers we'd integrate by the end of the day you know the noise and the energy in the room was just electric so I think there is a slight element um, that again, you just have to be a little bit more thoughtful of when it comes, and I'm sure it's something we'll probably dissect in a bit more detail later on, but when it comes to sort of looking and creating opportunities for, for women and girls to play football, there are some things that you do need to consider um, to, to kind of tailor it and make it something that's attractive. It's such an interesting thing, but everybody that's interviewed on uh, Match Fix so far has said how when, when uh, girls take on tactics, they always ask, why the manager wants to do it so it's so interesting to hear that you know you have to tailor everything like it's different it's just different and that's so that's so interesting that that's such a there's the two parallel there's I mean there's synergy there completely between the way you've had to tailor your thing and the way that coaches literally have to tailor uh, pre-match speak uh, speeches or tactics because girls just like to receive information or uh, in in a completely different way, blokes just generally, oh yeah, all right, I'll run up and down there, and that and that'll do it. I'll kick the ball really hard, but um, but girls 
obviously that's that's so interesting to to hear that. Uh, thanks for that, Charlotte. Uh, Natasha, a, a Wildcats um, coach, if you could just explain to people who don't know what the Wildcats actually is, because um, I think many people may just think it's a team name and it's not, obviously. Uh, could you explain for people what the Wildcats is and how you became involved uh, in it? Wildcats is a program from uh, the FA and is targeting young girls 5 to 11 and is a purely recreational session. So the aim is not giving uh, having a team or training as a team. So nothing like that is uh, purely having fun. So working on the so-called fundamental. So with games uh, and uh, try to make a little bit um, engaging the girls, uh, having fun with the boys, but also develop all the skills that they, they will need if they want to progress in a team or even if they want to progress in any sports because you work on agility, you work on uh, fitness and um, also you learn all the skills of being in like-minded um, uh, environment. So with the girls that are more uh, prone to have a contact sport and yeah. are not afraid of that. So that is, and I've been involved uh, for almost two years now. So this is my second year with the Actonian ladies. And okay. I started with a small group of four girls. And right now, when, I've, when we had to uh, stop back in December, we were about 12. And the aim is uh, eventually to progress to under nine or to any of the teams that uh, Actonians or any reality around the borough have for them. Fantastic. So how, are you, are you, a, are you a, a, a FA qualified coach or are you, do, you, do you get that through the Wildcats uh, sort of development so stuff yourself or...? Yeah, I'm a level one. I was uh, supposed to start my level two, uh, yeah. so to be able eventually to progress and help out with other teams. But unfortunately, that has been suspended now. Mm. So um, yeah, but you can get involved. Even some parents are mm, are helping, and they started that way so they can get involved. And usually, the club, if you volunteer, they help you in progressing and getting your license uh, eventually. Fantastic. So over to Alex, last but not least. Uh, I described you as the, probably done every job apart from <laughs> the manager and player, obviously, of uh, Millwall Lionesses. Alex, just a quick introduction. I know you did an interview with us in the summer for the big interview, um, 50 podcasts in 50 days thing. Uh, thanks for that. But I know since then you've gone from the media person to um, you're sitting in the dugout now with uh, amongst the, the management team. Now tell us a bit about about that and uh, how you found it so far. Yeah, so um, thanks again for having me on. Last year was was a blast. I, I do remember you asking me where I saw myself, and it wasn't it wasn't here to say the least. Um, but yeah, so I, think, I, I was. Think, I think you said you wanted to go to Charlton, didn't you? Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know. I might have woken up from that nightmare by now. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, so last last summer, as you say, I, I was in the media team at Mill. Um, I've been here for probably three or four seasons now. Um, from when we were in the championship. Uh, we're now obviously in tier six, you know, pardon a cliche, a bit of a sort of Phoenix club um, started again. So yeah, like you say, I was in the media team um, end of last season, naturally fell into sort of a player liaison officer role. Um, that was just for a relationship and a rapport that I'd built up with the players. Um, <clears throat> Katie Whitmore came in as a new manager and during the trial process, I think we recruited something like 14 players. So integrating those new players into the, the crop of players we already had, the relationship I'd built up with them over the past season 
it's just naturally that I sort of helped out with the trial process. And in doing so, I found myself from player liaison to assistant manager now. So, yeah, it was a bit of a, a slippery slope of falling down it fast, but wouldn't wouldn't change it for the world. Did they manage to relieve you of your media duties as well, or have they just tagged that onto your assistant manager role? Well, I just tagged on with with the player liaison role, but typical me. Yeah. <laughs> it comes in handy when uh, when dealing with with podcasts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there'll be more complaints about you than anyone else, probably. Yeah. <laughs> so, guys, I'm going to tag um, the next two questions together, really, because I know um, I've, I've got a your league and, and the restart, but I think we can talk about all this uh, together. Just tell us a bit, uh, Abby. We'll start with you. If you talk about the league that your uh, that your team, give the team a shout out and the league and the how how you see the rest of the season happening for you guys. Yeah, so um, I play for S4K FC Barks County Ladies. Nice, easy one to say that one. And uh, we play in Division 3 South of the Thames Valley Counties Women's Football League. Um, So that is kind of split into, well, I think there's nine divisions in that. So we've got a first division, a second division, then the third division is split into four, like North, South, East, West. Yeah. There's a development below that, and then there's two kind of youth um, divisions below that as well. Fantastic. It sounds like yeah. a real big league. It's great. Yeah, it's massive. Yeah, which is exciting. I think as well, kind of on the flip side of that, it's exciting that I get to cover that kind of that many divisions just in my kind of league as well. Yeah. Like writer as well as playing in that division. Um, it's all a little bit up in the air right now because um, I think we're waiting for a decision next week, basically. So they've mm-hmm. kind of hinted that there is going to be some kind of return. We're just not sure what that's going to look like yet. We're kind of waiting for a league meeting, I suppose. So, yeah. Um We'll see how we get on, really. Um, what's, your gut, what's your gut feeling? Well, I mean, I was thinking that we'd kind of get the rest of the season done. But then after today's announcement, with uh, it being curtailed, who knows at this point? It's a bit tricky, really, because so like for my team, for example, we've played nine games so far this season. So we're in quite a good position to potentially finish our season. Yeah. But then if you look further up the kind of league in Division One, there's teams who have only played kind of four or five games owing yeah. to the FA Cup. So them being able to finish their season with only kind of, I think it's nine weekends left of um, the season yeah I don't really know how we can kind of figure that one out really so I mean it's looking more and more likely that it's potentially going to be null and voided but who knows at this point grassroots football has been extended until the end of June so that does give you an extra four weeks on top of the nine yeah, I, I I was wondering about that actually. I was after I was reading the statement today. Kind of, it said the initial statement said that, that it didn't apply to tier seven, and then today's statement says it does. So yeah, I've, if we've got an extra four weeks, then maybe we will see the rest of the season. Who knows? Let's see, is there a general frustration around uh, ladies football that that this this restart has been uh, dragged on? I know lots lots of the leagues have have been uh, curtailed already, null and voided already. Alex is. Um, Alex and Lois's seasons, they'll be they'll be having an extra long pre-season this year, uh, I believe. Um, probably good for Millwall, anyway. <laughs> uh, Charlotte, it, uh, from people that you've spoken to recently on your uh, series during International uh, Women's Week, is there a frustration around all of this current uh, situation with the restart in ladies' football? I think just generally there's a bit of a frustration about football as a whole in terms of you know it's it's a long long time for people not to be able to enjoy that kind of physical activity and what I think has been really exposed even this time last year 
with the Premier League from the very, very top of the football pyramid to, you know, grassroots level. Yeah. Um, competition versus recreation. And it's a really, really fine balance. And there are decisions that have been made. Some have felt very premature. Others have felt very, very delayed. And unfortunately, I think it's very easy to sit and criticise and think, well, where was the foresight when the seasons were, were being planned? Why were scenarios not drafted out? But it's that saying, isn't it? These are unprecedented times and right, wrong, etc. I think the main thing is I, I sit as a volunteer on a, on a youth league, um, which is a mixed league. And we just want to get young youngsters playing football again. And I'm sure for, for um, the footballers on this call, Abby and Lois as well, it's just the fact that you want to be playing football and Natasha with her Wildcats girls, just getting people active and playing football again is so important. And mental health is incredibly important. And people have been through a hell of a lot over the last year. Some miss football, but they might not they might not feel safe going back to football yet as well, which is something else to consider. So it's a strange one. I do think there is a real opportunity from now until the start of the new season to just open up thinking about what football looks like. Yeah. The fact that grassroots season's extending in June, I think it's great because I've always wondered why we don't play football more in the summer. Yeah. Like we, we drag ourselves out, play on muddy pitches. Yep. you know sit and watch in the wind rain and hail like that's something i think we should reconsider the way that competitions are run i think we should reconsider so um i i think it's it's sad it's really disappointing of course no football person wants two seasons in a row null and void but given the circumstances maybe we should just use the next few months as an opportunity the euro's happening which england are obviously going to win let's, let's use it to rally people to, to love football <laughs> whether that's playing or of course like with eight funder getting involved in volunteering so that when grassroots football is back and flourishing it, it's finding its feet as quickly as possible absolutely so natasha i don't think you'd be affected by restart with the wildcats itself as you say it's just recreational um, but some of your players or involved will be playing for clubs that, that won't restart um do you expect the wildcats to be um full will that number will that 12 and participants be up to 20 by the time we restart because the girls will be itching to get back to, to some kind of football activity. Yes, I have been itching. <laughs> uh, but as Charlotte said, I'm not sure about uh, all the COVID situation in sense of uh, perceived safety, more from the parent side than the kids side. Yeah. Um, I would say that definitely uh, there will be a lot of uh, free play at least at the beginning a lot of time with the ball that's my aim I don't want to structure too much of the session I think these uh, uh, young girls want to have a ball and just play and I think try to find again the atmosphere the welcoming and the friendship that they started to build at the beginning that is very important and to get back what Charlotte said before I think it would be very great if uh, some of the players that are not involved for any possible reason even for the voiding session come uh, for the voiding uh, championship coming down uh, to any sort of grassroots club and show up just randomly show up and have a kick with the ball with the girls I think or just mentoring someone there I think it would be such a great opportunity for both sides I'm trying to understand what grassroots at the level of grassroots at the moment yeah. but also be that person that can be the next you know the next idol or somebody to aspire for these young girls I think that would be very important Massively, and we've seen a lot of engagement from uh, ladies playing or women playing in the in the very high 
uh, levels of um, of the ladies game, interacting with uh, podcasts like this and Roots TV. Abby spoke to a Man City player quite recently on, on Roots TV. I don't mind giving them a shout out. Uh, Clinton's all right, I suppose. Uh, <laughs> but uh, we've seen um, lots of players taking part in uh, Zoom calls for, for normal sort of Sunday league uh, ladies teams. We've seen Crystal Palace players interacting with Upton Park uh, ladies and all that. They and spoke to my team too. They spoke to your team as yeah, well. Yeah, we had a chat with Annabelle Johnson, the captain. I bet you gave Daniel the contact details, didn't you? Oh, do you know what? I don't think I did, actually. Oh, I think we did talk about it, actually, but he'd already done it. Okay. <laughs> Unsurprisingly. But you just don't think, you just don't feel like that would happen uh, in the men's, from a men's elite player, a uh, Crystal Palace player going and speaking to XYZ um, Sunday League team. That just doesn't happen. So it's really nice to hear um, that that is starting to go. So Natasha, maybe right into one of your clubs. I don't know who you're local club in Acton, I'm guessing that's QPR or something like that, um, you could contact and um, I've refereed QPR's ladies team actually against Dulwich Hamlet and it was a really good game. There's about there's about 300 fans there at Dulwich Hamlet in uh, Dulwich, obviously, and uh, it was a really, really good game and uh, Dulwich Hamlet are a fantastic ladies team and QPR weren't too bad either. Really, really good. Uh, Lois, so from a player's point of view, with the season... Uh, ended. How does that feel to a player? Because we, we didn't really get started in the season. We, it finished, I can't even remember when it finished, end of November. Um, how does that feel to a player? Obviously, you've been doing your own sort of bits um, to keep yourself ticking over. Probably one-to-one sessions with Alex, uh, keeping, you, uh, keeping, <laughs> keeping you going. But how does that feel to a player to miss out on all this competitive football over the last 12 months, almost to the day? Um, I think it was actually quite hard, um, the stop and starting of the season. Um, it obviously affects motivation. Like some days um, going back to football for the first time, it was really hard. My yeah. fitness was not as good as what it usually is, even though we've got Andy, the fitness coach, who helps us. We have like um, an app and we have to go out and do like some runs or some other fitness things. Yeah. It does help but it just isn't the same as playing football. Like no. I always love being on the pitch and playing with a ball. It's just a completely different experience than doing all this fitness. Um, mm. It's quite demanding as well physically. Um, I found it quite hard getting back into the swing of things, getting back into a routine and then it all stops again. But I do support this decision of it being um, null and void. We did play quite a great deal of games and I just hope that we get to play some friendlies, like anything competitive, really. I'm sure you will, and that'll be the first thing that your manager will be looking to do. But if your season is curtailed, you haven't really got to rush into playing games. It'll probably be training sessions and yeah. play some games later on. Uh, do you worry, with a player that's obviously moving into um, the higher levels of, of ladies' football, do you worry about your development over the last year with the, um, with the uh, lockdowns? Or do you think, Obviously, you're, you're 17, I think, so time is on your side. Um, but do you worry about this lost football in terms of your development as a player? Um, yeah, definitely. I do think that is taken a toll. Like, sometimes it takes me back four weeks to where I've been before, and it is quite a challenge. Yeah. But I do play college football as well, so I was able to play while others weren't able to play. 
play because it's within the school environment. Okay. So I was getting the opportunity to continue playing. So that didn't probably hit me as hard as everyone else. Fantastic. Well, yeah, I mean, maybe you're one of the lucky ones. If you're on a college scheme, obviously that hasn't, that hasn't been stopped. So, yeah, um, you're one of the lucky ones. Uh, I think lots of players all over the place, uh, men's football, ladies' football, if they get to get to a certain level and they're on an upwards trajectory, I think lots of players um, are worried about what this last year has done. But I sort of say football's been at a standstill below below it below the conference anyway, really. So um, everywhere. So uh, yeah, I think don't worry too much. And at 17 years old, um, God, I wish I was playing good football when I was 17 years old. I couldn't kick a ball. That's why I ended up playing a whistle. Uh, <laughs> uh, so changing perceptions this is quite an important when I started refereeing um, ladies football on the South East Counties uh, Women's Football League um, a brilliant league it sounds like a similar sort of structure to your your level Abby where they've got um, a Premier Division and, and regional divisions they've got lots of divisions it's a fantastic league all of our local clubs here uh, in Kent have a, have a ladies team in it um, it's a real, real good league. I enjoyed every minute of refereeing on that league and hopefully I'll get to do it again next season. Um, I've had a season off due to injury. I couldn't manage three games in a weekend. Uh, so I had to, had to give the Sunday afternoons up, which is a shame that they did play on, sun, on Sunday afternoons because um, they couldn't get pitches because of the men's game. That, maybe that's, a, that's another discussion that we're going to have. Um, but how do we change the perception towards... Um, ladies football I know this is such a massive loaded question but every time the biggest the, the biggest thing that I saw was recently when um, the Chelsea ladies manager said that she didn't think that the AFC Wimbledon job was big enough or wasn't a big enough job to turn her away from leaving Chelsea and you get into these Twitter arguments with people and um, some, someone was saying, you know, but what if what if AFC Wimbledon played Chelsea ladies, they'd beat them. And you sort of think, that, you know, that's not really look at the clubs in, in their own world. And obviously football is one game, but the men and the ladies game are, are different games. That's, that's something that I think we can sort of agree on it if you understand what I'm getting at. Abby, you remember that conversation that we had with that guy? I do indeed. It's those perceptions where some people think put a men's team up against a ladies team and that's how you tell what what's best, what's the better game. But what's, what's, your, what's your thoughts on that and how do we start to change the perception? Uh, I just think why most of the time? <laughs> why do we want to see that? Like people love to point out that time when the US women played like an under 15s team or something. That's the argument I see all the time. It's just, it's, it's boring to listen to, to begin with in the first place. And that kind of classic, like nobody cares thing as well. Well, tell the kind of 1.1 billion people who watched the 2019 Women's World Cup that nobody cares, mm. uh, is what I think really. Um, the kind of, yeah, yeah, the kind of um, nobody cares. Yeah, like I said, nobody cares. And like the get back in the kitchen as well. It's just, yeah, I, I think as well, a lot of the thing with the Emma Hayes thing as well is that a lot of what she said got taken out of context. It's not that she kind of, a lot of people picked up on the fact that she said, um, oh, like they couldn't afford me. But it's not that it's, she's, she wasn't bigging herself up like, oh, I'm so expensive. It, it was kind of a, um, she's got so much investment and stuff like in, in Chelsea women that 
it's just that actually you couldn't afford to take me away from that experience that she's having. And it's not like she's just sort of bowled into the Chelsea women's club. She's been building that team for the last eight years and they're on a trajectory to potentially win a quadruple, which might I add Arsenal women are the only other, other team, male or female, to have ever done that. So, yeah, it's just kind of, it's bizarre that people have this kind of obsession with thinking that we have to constantly compare like men's and women's football. And it is that idea. I think I talked about it with Carol in match fix as well. The idea that the men's game is the kind of, that's the standard to set. But like you said, you have to kind of think about they're two kind of different, like we're playing the same sport and we're kind of playing to the same rules and there's a net at each end and we're both kicking a football, but they are different games. And you have to kind of look at, how kind of women's football it yeah it is it is behind but kind of there's so many factors to consider that and yeah as it is kind of it's it is a different game even if we are kind of doing the same things and sticking by the same rules um and yeah ultimately kind of just it's kind of about kind of, well the thing that I kind of like to sort of like live by or think by is kind of you've got to kind of see it to believe it essentially so like getting involved and kind of whether it's it playing whether it's volunteering or whatever that's kind of how you drive women's football essentially so um yeah there's obviously so many different factors involved in it but and the whole kind of our oh, women will get equal pay when they bring the same revenue as the men that's another thing that kind of just is bizarre to me as well yeah. like it's a big cyclical thing isn't it really this is a thing that I talked about I mean this is a, a little exclusive for you here but Charlotte who I did for who I interviewed for um episode four we kind of talked about how it's kind of cyclical and how well you've got to invest in it if you want the revenue to go up and if you want the revenue to go up then you've got to invest kind of thing so yeah that's my thoughts <laughs> you've ruined your whole show now <laughs> not at all not at all there's so many more interesting things Charlotte <laughs> and I talked about so Charlotte, changing perception, obviously your your aim is to get more women into the game and uh, that, that in itself would help change perception because nine times out of ten, all the games that I've refereed in the ladies uh, on the South East Counties Women's League was a seemed to be someone's dad or just some bloke who said yes to, to managing uh, the sides, um, sadly. Um, how do we change perception in the ladies game in your opinion? Visibility, and I think it's really interesting. I, I mentioned that when I was growing up, I did an interview recently, and um, I only realised that there were women working in football when Jackie Oatley was the first female commentator to go on Match of the Day, and she had to take so much abuse. And there's a lot of women that have become before me who have almost broken the ceiling. But I feel like my generation are the ones that are trying to change the perception. And it's not just a perception about the women's game as in playing, it's about women's roles in football. I've seen people's body language when I've walked into a room, which is my place of work. And I've witnessed, yeah, I've witnessed people's minds and perceptions changing because there's this element that you have to kind of earn the respect, which I don't agree with. I think you give everyone in football or out of football, you give them your respect. That's like a minimum thing that we deserve as human beings in society. Um, but there's this idea, I think, like Abby was alluding to, like you have to kind of earn that respect, you have to earn that credit. And my thing has always been about equal opportunity. If we're going to start to see strides being made, 
in the game you have to offer equal opportunity and an equal playing field which is hard when obviously the women's game is backtracking off a decision the football association made after the war to ban it so we've come a long way in a long um in a short space of time but ultimately to change perception you have to increase visibility so that means more women's coverage on terrestrial tv the fa's move to make the uh, super league free to watch is fantastic because Again, it is hard when you have those Twitter interactions and you come across what I would perhaps call the, the old school football fan. And they've got just as much a right to be in the football community as any of us. But if you had, tend to have a bit more of a sensible dialogue, they'll be like, oh, I turned it on and actually it was all right. Um, if, that's, that's, if that's someone's initial way into it, then that's absolutely fine as well. But I think keeping going with the broadcasting keeping seeing women in other roles it blows my mind that it's 2021 and I'm yet to see a female coach in the men's game as well without wanting to make this about the men's game we're speaking about the women's game it just blows my mind and know, there's a really sad it's, it's brilliant but it's sad at the same time that Peckham Town in the Kent County League Prem Division has got one of the most decorated ladies football footballers managing them and they make such a They've made a massive song and dance about it, and it's fantastic. It's and it's brilliant, and they won the London Cup that they play in. But how sad is it that that that, that if that that lady has had, had started at, at that low level, you know, it's it's just it's literally grassroots football. Why why can't a a, a woman with that much footballing experience? Why isn't she working in in the football league as a as a very bare minimum? I don't mean that disrespectfully to Peckham Town and I think she's married to um, to the chairman there but why has she not been given opportunities um, to go up higher How, why is her all of her experience is completely relevant in in, men, in men's football as it is in in grassroots football should I say in elite men's football um, and it's sad that these girls aren't being given um, the opportunity in, a, in the elite game, some of them like Alex Scotts and, and people like that. Why why is she not going into coaching? Why has she gone into punditry? She's she's a fantastic pundit. And you think Gary Neville was given an opportunity at Valencia to be a manager on the back of being a great pundit, and look what happened to him. And you just think Alex Scott, these women, uh, these fantastic women footballer with with hundreds of international caps or um, medals coming out of their ears. Why aren't they being utilised in, in the men's in the men's game or in, in the higher echelons of, of the ladies' games as well? As well? It's it's um it's hard. It's 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 very strange to me. Natasha, how do we inspire uh, your uh, young wildcats to ch help change perception of the ladies' game as they as they progress and get older and go through their clubs and and move on to hopefully play at a similar level to Lois? I think visibility, as I've already said, is important, but I also would add the way we communicate about football, uh, about women's football. For example, lately I've been, I've been listening to uh, radio, BBC Radio 5 this morning and uh, I was impressed the way they communicate about the Chelsea victory and the outcome was exactly like they would communicate any other results of Premier League. So that is something that I noticed because that has something that doesn't happen often, I have to say. So changing the narrative of uh, the... Um, of the way we communicate about women's football and uh, together with uh, having more visibility that will give uh, 
the opportunity to, do, to the young generation, to the white cats, to really look forward to move on and maybe become one of the lioness, if that's the case. But also to be engaged anyways within the within the game. Uh, for example, Lois was talking about playing football uh, in college. Well, when I was a football coach in a college, um, I had some girls who were 17 and never played before. And I was a little bit impressed by that because I'm like, wow, you are 17 and it's 2021, uh, actually 2020 at the time, and you have never played football. That was something unique. And that's just because uh, they didn't use it. There was no such a reality, a grassroots reality where they were living to. So I think more opportunities and definitely better way we communicate together with visibility. I think those are the keys for young generations. Alex, what's, what's, in, Alex, what's important to you to, to help change the perception? Obviously you're, you're a, a, a fella in, in ladies game. You're probably taking up a space that um, a lady could a lady could uh, take on um, all lionesses. Um, that's a joke. Um, how do you, how are you trying to change um, perception of um, of ladies football? Yeah, so I think all the previous points mentioned with regards to like visibility, etc., are, are crucial to sort of changing the perspective. I think you know not to sort of blow my own trumpet, but I think if you know you get coaches of a certain level invest time and effort into the women's game, then that will produce. A better quality of player, um, therefore, can go on to develop themselves as players, but and also as as pundits, as coaches themselves. Um, you think for a club like Millwall Ines, we've got someone like Hope Powell, for example, who we had a Q and A with last week. What what a fantastic role model to look up to. Yeah. Um, I, I also think as well with regards to as you mentioned earlier, you know, when somebody said if AFC Wimbledon men played Chelsea ladies, well, if Usain Bolt and Mo Farah had a race, who would win? Is they're both runners, but it's, it's you know it's subjective to how you look at it. So yeah. I think it, whilst it is football and it is under the same umbrella, I do think sometimes there are times and places for comparisons to be made, and there are times and places where it is a bit of a different sport. Maybe um, I think it should be looked at with a, a different hat on, so to speak. Um, but that, that's sort of my take on it: is, is sort of investing time and effort in with regards to media resources and, and coaches and. And even down to obviously giving the referee union a shout out, you know, referees making their mark in the game and, and things like that. Just, I think it's a fantastic place to sort of develop yourself and what a fantastic train journey to be on. Andrew, could I just make a, a quick point as well? Absolutely. Um, about how important male allyship is as well. Like the importance of men in football using their platforms and, and thinking about bringing women with them. It's, it's a vice versa thing as well. But I just thought, you know the work that Alex is doing at Millwall um I, I volunteered at a women's club at the very start of my career Alex so I completely sympathize from being the media person <laughs> to sort of every other without people like Alex as well giving their time to the women's game it's only going to stagnate and actually it's it's pushing boundaries all the time and um you know I think that is a it's a point to make whenever we're having these conversations yeah, can I add a little bit extra to that as well? So obviously like a shout out to both Dan and Craig who I've had on Match Fix as well. They're just doing everything possible to kind of um, yeah. develop their game within their clubs, which is amazing to see. And also a little shout out, you can see them behind me actually, Cavisham United getting Women's Football Wednesday trending on, on Wednesday last week was amazing. And yeah, every week they shout out a women's football team. So yeah, it's really like amazing to see. So yeah, absolutely. That male allyship is so important as well. I got involved in, in refereeing ladies football because 
an, a, 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 a referee stroke. Yeah, well, I've, I've refereed with him long enough that he became a friend in the end, and he became um, referee secretary for the ladies uh, for the Southeast Counties Women's Football League. And I thought, oh, you know, I helped Tony out, and I didn't really think about it being like a ladies. But actually, sort of in a patronising way, thought that was me giving back to football because. I'd taken so much as a, as a referee and, and that stuff. And when I eventually got round to refereeing uh, in that league, it led on to me refereeing on the one above that, that I think Kent Football United won um, a couple of years ago and that um, Dulwich Hamlet and QPR played in. And actually those games are really the most um, enjoyable games. The football is pure football. Some of the technique on the players, like, the Kent Football United, especially, were a fantastic side when I watched them. The, the technique, the way they strike a ball, is fantastic to watch. They're real technicians. It's not just um, 22 people chasing a ball around a pitch that people probably think it is like under nines football where all the kids just run around. It's a proper. It's a. It was. It was really, really good football. The offside traps were tight. I've run the line for those against those teams, and I've been in the middle and the offside. Um, the lines, the defensive lines, are so fantastic. It's real good football, and and um, that was that was the biggest change in perception to me. As I say, I went into it thinking, uh, you know, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna give back. I'm gonna give back to to the game, and and ladies football was the way that I wanted to then. But then when I actually got into it, it was challenging to to referee. As I say, um, the tactics and the way that, you know the players are no less are no less. Um, abusive shall we say than and then <laughs> then the other side um it's great um and you know as i say it's proper football anyone who thinks it isn't is a bit of a wally if you ask me uh lois um changing perception obviously this might be a tough one for you but how does that look like as a player from inside um, the ladies game at the level you play at the perceptions that you're fighting against every day um, from my experience, I do think that has already changed slightly, um, especially opportunities, because my first team, I was actually the only girl in the team, and that was when I was quite young. But now um, there are so many opportunities for young girls to play grassroots, maybe not um, as many as we would like, but um, there are more opportunities than I had. And I do think that... Um, it's about changing stereotypes because it is perceived as a male's game and it's mainly men's football. I do think that we should um, increase like encouragement and try to be a role model. That's what I do try um, my hardest to be, to encourage other people to just get involved. Like it doesn't even have to be at a high level. Doing sport is just like so good for you. It's honestly like anyone should get involved. Fantastic message. Perfect, in fact, Lois. Thank you for that. So mental health, we have this section on every single one of our podcasts because I think it links to every aspect of everybody's life, um, good or bad. Um, so mental health with the lockdown uh, being, the, being the, the way it has been, obviously that's been a, a struggle itself. But with the prospect, maybe Abby of not, kicking off your season and all of and another season lost um like last year um how how can that uh, affect people's mental health massively i think and i think 
obviously it's applicable across all of football but especially within grassroots people don't realize the kind of social aspects that it brings like it's much as much about the football as it is about just being there with like your mates and with your teammates and stuff like that so to kind of go from well I mean at my first club I'll be honest we were awful so kind of but luckily there was the camaraderie of the team and stuff like that like so we were sitting bottom of the table with one point so um really the beers beers after were better (laughs) well yeah exactly (laughs) um so I think the kind of our season being curtailed was probably a good thing for us really but yeah so then I kind of sat on the idea of joining another team for a little bit during the summer kind of during sort of kind of April, March, well, yeah, April, March, kind of that time. And then I realised, I was like, yeah, I do still want to be playing football. So I found my new team, my current team. Um, and yeah, it's like, it was massive. And like, we are a really sociable team as well. It's kind of weird, actually, because I haven't had any of the kind of social elements of being part of a football team with this new team, because we have been in the midst of the pandemic. So it's kind of a little bit weird. Um, kind of having a quick cheeky beer in the in the car park after a game is not quite the same as being down the pub really and kind of missing out on all those social elements but yeah so it's definitely been kind of a massive part of it and yeah definitely personally kind of going from so we train twice a week well we we train once a week and then we play futsal one night a week as well and then we play on a Sunday so you go from kind of seeing people like two three times a week to suddenly not being able to leave your house really so yeah it's absolutely definitely had a a huge kind of effect on everybody in the team and for myself as well so that's obviously echoed across the whole kind of pyramid and yeah like I said I think it's just such a even more so for grassroots that kind of social element and the kind of the kind of looking after yourself and being able to kind of go and run around for a bit you don't realize how much of a kind of impact it does have on yourself mentally mm. as it does on you physically until you're kind of suddenly not allowed to do it essentially absolutely so Alex and Lois what are Millwall Lioness is doing to sort of help get their players through this is it is it a good environment for supporting uh, mental health is there someone there that interacts with the players I know you said you were a player liaison did you go that far in your old role or your current role, as well as all the other things you do, Alex, is that, is, is that important to the club to ensure the players are are doing okay? Yeah, definitely. I think it's always crucial to let the players know that my you know, sort of metaphorical door is always open. Um, we're always sort of encouraging the players to get involved with community projects. So over the Christmas period, we were down at um, Lewisham Hospital. You know, we brought presents down. We've done shopping on behalf of the NHS staff who might, you know, work in tireless hours, may not have been able to, to get out and do the shopping necessarily. Um, donated hot meals to sort of less fortunate children. We've also then got um, Kelly Webster, I'll give her a little plug, has got the Lions Food Hub going in Bermondsey. So that's a, that's a food bank that we're massively involved with, both by making contributions with actual food and, and sanitary products, but also going down and volunteering to sort of run the show ourselves. Um, but yeah, I think massively is it's just communicating and making sure that everybody sort of knows that we're all in the same boat we're all in this boat together but I think similarly it's it's just about how you look at it if you look at it short term yes okay our season's null and void you know we're not going to probably play competitively until another couple of months but then similarly you've got to think you know if we rushed back in the, the demographic of our players our average age of the squad is 19 so even the, you've got the players being 19 the parents are probably what early 40s if we rushed everyone back in there's a, a chance they're not all going to have had their vaccines because of the ages of those people. And we could very well find ourselves in the same situation in, in three months down the line. Whereas if we sort of 
take one for the team. You know, we, we say we're happy, we support the decision that the, the season's not and void. And we go again and we pick up for next season. But I think, if you know, it's, it's a short-term loss for a long-term game, I think. But but definitely, no, I think we're massive on, on the community side, being uh, now that we're under the umbrella of the community trust. That is one, that is one, the only positive I will give Millwall Football Club is how good they are in the community. They, you know, the, what they work, they work for all sorts of um, charities and uh, things like that. Millwall are a fantastic club for that. That's about it for Millwall there. <laughs> I'll, I'll take that from you. I'll take that. <laughs> uh, Natasha, so mental health with your, with your Wildcats girls. I don't, do you coach for a club as well? Or is, is Wildcats part of, part of the club? Yeah, Wildcats is part of uh, Actonian lady, Actonians ladies. Um, so, so how does yeah. how does how does Actonians deal with uh, mental health of their of their players? I know you don't, you probably don't interact, being because of safeguarding and all that stuff. You probably don't interact directly uh, with players. But how um, how how is the mental health of the kids uh, being being uh, looked after? So during this third lockdown I was able to set up some uh, um, session online with on teams with the young with the kids Um, mainly I agree with the parents I was back and forth with the parents and actually parents found it very useful because they were all saying how the the girls were not really doing anything interactive how they were quite sitting still and uh, after doing some uh, craft works and they were a little bit board so uh, I it just started a conversation with the parents really and that's where the feedback and uh, started and that's why we set up some session not many um, but just half an hour shorter session than instead of an hour so that was good in terms of Actonians uh, we had we uh, among coaches we interacted through um, whatsapp but also uh, we had our um, Andrew his uh, the one of the head coaches that was giving us uh, some uh, um, advice how to keep uh, our mental health healthy and uh, how eventually interact with the players. But uh, the very main thing is that because we are mainly all volunteers, so I think that um, the pandemic hit as as much as the players in most of the cases. Absolutely. so it was, uh, so all of us, you know, got in, into a little bit of training, CPD or uh, other other things, but we tried to be, start to, we, we tried to keep connected and uh, uh, try to help each other. But uh, in a volunteer world where you are not elite, I think those are the things that you miss the most. As Abby was saying before, a little bit of social, a little bit of times where after, you know, after uh, like the dinner, uh, Christmas, uh, stuff like that, that yeah. usually volunteers get out of their just the volunteer time with the, the, uh, with the players. Absolutely. The, the individual, the individual time, uh, people with families, sometimes the football is the only time that they get away just to be them. They're not, they're not mum, they're not dad, they're not X, Y, Z, they're, they're ref or their player or captain or whatever, they're them. And, and, you know, I think a lot of people miss that. I know I, I definitely do. Um, it's been really tough to miss out on, on the football. I'm quite active and referee Saturdays and Sundays. And just having that time, you know, that drive to the game, thinking about the game, doing the game and all the stuff that whatever comes with that, good or bad, 
then on the way home, reflecting on the game, did I have a good game? Oh, yeah, I played a brilliant advantage. I'm glad they scored from that. Those types of sort of self-congratulatory things that you get to do after football. Abby made a fantastic pass and and a, and, a, and her the striker finished it and she was really pleased with the assist. All these little things. <laughs> but all these things that... You know, work, work, and 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 doing a good piece of work for your job is is your job, and you know it's like okay, we'll get on to the next bit. But these little things, these little achievements, like you might, Natasha, you might have seen a kid that's developed that came into you as a really shy, timid person um, a year ago or two years ago, and because of lockdown, you know, you haven't seen that the development of those of that person, and and you know. These little achievements, these small, small things that might be small on, on in the whole scheme of things, really make you feel brilliant about um, being part of football. Um, and yeah, they, they're the bits that we miss the most. Charlotte, with mental health, I know that will probably be um, a big, important part of your uh, initiative, Eighth Wonder. Um, how how important is it, is, is mental health in your mind, with, when considering uh, trying to big women up to be confident and take a take lead and and be assertive and 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 make a career or make a a, a little mark on the football world themselves I think Lois made the point really eloquently earlier on about how football and sport in general not only does it develop you in your ability in that discipline but it enhances your leadership skills your communication skills your confidence and because obviously the pandemic is so raw and we're in the midst of it now, we probably don't really even today understand the significance of what we have gone through as individuals and groups. Yeah. Sometimes I wake up and I just think this is all ridiculous and I can't mm. understand how we're ever in a situation where, you know, we're, we're going without things that we love and people that we love and, and physical exercise and so on. I mean, I'm really fortunate in that I've been able to go to football games um, providing commentary and so on and and football's not the same and I don't think it will be when we all go back to it I think we'll all take away an appreciation for it and we spoke about how we change perceptions about the women's game and stuff like that but I think ultimately what anyone who loves football has come away and realizes it's so much more than three o'clock on a Saturday or one o'clock on a Sunday football is it's a means of, of interacting with people it's a shared common ground how much better did we all feel I can't remember what game it was I think it was Aston Villa versus somebody but I remember when it when football came back in May it was a really boring game but I've never been so excited to just watch a game of football. oh was it the um, Sheffield United one where where someone got away yeah. with a, a goal that went over the line the keeper took yeah that was it that was yeah. it and I was yeah. like oh my god I've missed my Twitter being full of football nonsense <laughs> um but you know on a more serious note I think for me coming out of, of lockdown and, and what we can do with Eighth Wonder to help women and girls. Mental health is, is really going to be a focus because for young children, the, the types that Natasha coaches in particular, how on earth does a pandemic affect them? I did a, a talk with an RTC recently and, and the girls were on Zoom and stuff like that. And they were all so great, bless them, but like no one should have to interact you know, like that. And um, whatever we can do to try and help build that confidence up again, like you said, um, football skills can be developed and that's fine. But, you know, there is a part of me that feels these, these children in particular 
you know, we need to try and really focus on them. And that's why I'm pleased that everything from the FA seems to be suggesting just play football. Forget about three points for a little while. Just play football, enjoy it, get a smile on your face. And then when it's safe to do so, let's start playing for points again. Absolutely. So Can the I few... add a bit more onto that? Yeah, if you want. Yeah, I mean, you've got yeah, again no, if you I want, Abby. I just, the, the point I want to make is I think that especially coming out of lockdown now, you will see a real shift and especially from the top down, I think as well, in kind of the introduction of kind of having like a psychologist, for example, within a football team. And I think you can probably find a few, like most of the teams in the WSL, for example, have them. Um, Although actually I was listening to a podcast the other day with Emma Mitchell, who's a left back at Reading. I'm a Reading fan. And she was saying that only this season they'd introduced a psychologist within the team because you kind of like, you don't really think about because you've got like a goalkeeper coach, you've got a kind of fitness coach, you've got a conditioning coach and stuff like that. But you kind of, people forget about the kind of the coach for your head sort of thing. And I think you'll start to see that shift in the next few years where you'll see there is a psychologist introduced into teams. And I don't see why that wouldn't kind of trickle down a little bit further down into grassroots clubs as well. And like, I guess you have welfare officers and things like that, but I think they will become more and more vital. And especially as we kind of navigate our way out of lockdown and we've kind of, I guess we're sort of going to experience a bit of a kind of a mental health crisis, unfortunately, because of it. So, yeah, I just think people who are kind of looking at you, your head, as well as kind of your technique with your feet are going to be as, as important, if not more so. Absolutely. We had this conversation probably a year or more, 18 months ago on a, on a different podcast of, of ours. One of the hosts said, you know, if mental health needs to be taken seriously. Why not introduce EFA can do courses for first aid and all this stuff to be standard charter. Why not do like a mental health awareness or and have a mental health champion that you have to have? If you want to become charter standard or ch- standard charter, whatever it's called, why not have have to have that person in your club who has at least sat through you know units to be aware of different mental health um the different types you know adhd bipolar um i've recently done a mental health awareness course and um, but that was just because i wanted to do something just to achieve something during lockdown over and above uh, work and it was really really good and it tells you you know it basically it it cements how you should deal how you should help someone with mental mental health illness it tells you the symptoms and what to expect and their behavior but every time towards the end of each unit it was like how can the family help you know families can do this 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 and this how, what can you push them towards and it's such a basic thing but it really pushed home how you help someone with with mental health and it's not it it, it would be such a good idea that the FA thought about doing something like that around mental health because as you say um, the fallout from this isn't going to be that players are getting injured or because they started playing football again. There's going to be a mental health epidemic. There's going to be people that are losing jobs, people that have lost things and family because of the, the actual disease itself. There's going to be so much more um, fallout from this to come that um, really mental health will be will be the, the actual um, pandemic, not not COVID and, and we need to start planning for that. That's it. And I'm glad that everyone seems to be having that mental health conversation. It's really important. Can I add so, one thing to that? Uh, yeah, and, sure. 
I think it would be very useful, as you said, to have, as you have your first aid, you need to have your first aid when you are, are coaching. I think it would be yeah. very important to have the mental health first aid as well. Absolutely. I've, I've done the course of three days uh, through uh, Sport England, and it's so useful, especially if you work with young people, mm-hmm. because it tells you, it really gives you an insight how to spot very difficult signs of depression, but also to have tough conversation, uh, even about much more than depression that I'm not going to trigger here. But no, no, uh, no. I think that should be one of uh, the requirements for if you work, if you are a coach with, uh, with especially young people, because they mask a lot more than adults. That is my opinion, though. I think, Absolutely. I think that the FA is already speaking about and obviously literally from the top of the organization there Prince William his heads up together campaign is a real sort of strategic priority for the FA and uh, Angie you might be aware that the Kent FA is doing a lot around mental health they have a quite pioneering scheme um, of, of mental health champions who are within clubs because again I won't name names but there are grassroots clubs that I'm working with who a year ago the things that they had to work around were pitch higher and bibs and cones who have now have literally got parents ringing them saying my child is talking about suicide my yeah. child is struggling and you know that's a lot to ask a volunteer workforce to know how to deal with so yeah. ultimately it's something the fa will have to do but i, I think um like everyone suggested, that kind of initial level one s qualification just so people feel more equipped and comfortable to be there should should they ever be required? And I think football's done a really good, we talked about, we've mentioned change of perception, haven't we? I think football's done an incredible job in changing the conversation around mental health. Um, it was quite a, a taboo, and I put that in inverted commas, subject five, 10 years ago, whereas now I do genuinely think football's changed the conversation and yeah. made people know that it's absolutely okay. It's actually essential to speak up when you're, you're feeling troubled. Absolutely. Doing the, the, the sort of mini course that I did, um, it gave me the confidence to apply to be a mental health champion uh, for referees uh, via the FA. So that was advertised on the Kent FA website recently. And I never would have done that. I was happy to talk to people, um, like friends and ask them, are you OK? And all that. Is there anything I can do for you? But, you know, doing this, having this awareness uh, and, uh, and this, doing this course gave me the confidence to apply to that. Wherever I get whether I, be, whether I get involved, I, I don't know, but, you know, these things give people confidence to, to, to lead the conversation, as you say, Charlotte, and uh, more people should do that. Um, that's one thing that we've pressed home on our 50 podcasts in 50 days, you know, every, everybody said, without doubt, everyone not interviewed said, you know, if anyone needs to talk, just DM me, get my number, anyone, everyone said it, anyone can give me a call, and that's something that you know, if you are a sufferer of mental health that you think no one wants to listen, but exclusively everyone will listen to you and, and um, we need to we need to push that, get that across 100%. Right, future plans. So Charlotte with Eighth Wonder, let's talk about that first. Um, what are the plans? How do you grow it? How do you, how do you grow the engagement? Um, and how do you uh, make it uh, the best in it, or keep it being the best initiative in uh, in, in uh, getting ladies involved in football? I mean, that's a really good question. We're just off the back of our International Women's Day series, which is something different for us. That was, again, showcasing careers. And off the back of that, some exciting emails have been exchanged today with um, 
you know, people from the board of the Ken FA about maybe creating a kind of more formal Kent Women in Football Network. So that's quite exciting. That's that's very, very early and tentative. Um, for me as well, I'm really keen to do more in terms of, again, underrepresented groups and, and um, you know, doing more to try and in introduce like women of colour, um, people from AME backgrounds, giving them opportunities as well. Um, you know, I've spoke at the very start of the, of the um, podcast about tailoring and bespoke. And, you know, that's something that I'm obviously as a white woman, not necessarily the well-versed in, but I'd like to carry on doing some work with Kick It Out and other equality organisations to see what we can do to help ensure that there's diversity in absolutely everything that we do. So that's something I'd like to explore. And then of course, just going back to delivering events physically again, face-to-face, -face, um, like I expressed my concerns about young people and their social interactions. It does concern me, it does worry me. So um, yeah, getting back and maybe normally did do a development day each October in half term. So I'd like to think that that would be an achievable thing for 2021 that we can come back and, and do that. Sick of Zoom as well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Abby, what's next for you? Uh, well, getting back on the pitch firstly, hopefully, yeah. <laughs> first and foremost. Um, I guess just hopefully continuing to grow Match Fix really is kind of top priority, really. Just getting a chance to speak to more and more people so they can showcase all their kind of incredible work that they're doing around the women's game. Yeah, it's kind of just only really started I hope and we'll just keep growing and growing from there really um let's hope so are we finding yeah. it hard to in the sort of mold of Charlotte um finding it maybe hard to get people initially involved at, how are you finding the the people involved in the ladies game want do they want to come on and shout about it or is it uh, is there a bit of reluctance to come on and and, and big themselves up no, absolutely. Well, I, not not big themselves up, but definitely people want to share their story, which is amazing. Yeah, I don't think. Yeah, I kind of not not been overwhelmed, but yeah, the response has been amazing. So yeah, just being able to kind of shout about how incredible people are doing within the women's game stuff like that. Yeah, just it's definitely there. Like we've got a few episodes still to go for sure. <laughs> so right, that's good. We've got we've got you for another month or so. Then another four more episodes at least <laughs> till you move on to to bigger and better things. Uh, Natasha, what's the future uh, for yourself and, and your club, Axonians? Definitely get the girls back on the pitch as well, more with uh, games and literally want to play games uh, and uh, so they can focus on socialising and get skills done. And then possibly if the uh, FA launches, as they promised in uh, April, the new level two, maybe try to get into that one and grow my knowledge. But then apply to the pitch and not just being passively knowing uh learning so those are my plans fantastic alex you're going to be making the players you're going to run the players to death and they, when you get them back or <laughs> is it all with the ball lois oh, well, just made sure she was lois uh, popped up, <laughs> popped up then. She's um, find out. i mean i'm terrible with these kind of questions when you asked me where i saw myself on the last podcast i was on i said i was going to stick to media and now look at me so um, I think, no, the, the girls have been keeping up really well with that sort of their fitness stuff that we've given them to do um, at home. So I'm hoping they're in as, as good a shape as they can be so that we can go straight into sort of ball work. We've got a friendly behind closed doors arranged for the 4th of April. I think it's Easter Sunday. So we'll be straight back in regardless of whether 
our league organise us um, a mini tournament or something, we'll, we'll definitely be back into to kicking a ball as soon as possible. Um, as for myself, sort of away from the club, um, I've just sort of been taking this time to sort of upskill, really, take up as many courses and, and progress myself as a, a coach. And hopefully that will indirectly benefit the girls. Nice one. Lois, the future, where do you see yourself? Where do you see your, your playing career in, in five, ten years? The only way is up. From Millwall, it is anyway. Um, but I I'm mean, not yeah. actually sure. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to kind of like move up a little bit or like continue with Millwall and then try and get like even higher, maybe to like the WSL, but I'm not 100% sure, but we will try and make it happen. Exactly. That's all you can do. You've got to aim. You'll never get there if you don't aim there. You have to aim there first. Yeah. You'll get there. You'll get there. What's your dream? Who would be your dream club, Lois? Don't say, don't say Charlton just because I'm the host. You can't be <laughs> um, I'd say Manchester United, but that's because I support them, but they're so far away. That's all right. Good club. Decent, half decent anyway. The ladies have yeah. uh, come on massively over the last couple of years, haven't they? Yeah. I've been to watch a few of their matches before. I do really like. Did, was you looking at the centre half thinking, oh, I could I could take your shirt? Good have you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hopefully that's me. <laughs> Guys, uh, thank you very, very much for your time tonight. It's been really, really good to speak to you all. All different people doing brilliant jobs for... Um, for the ladies game long might continue we can only uh it can only get better with people like charlotte and natasha looking after uh, natasha looking after our, our young people coming into football uh and lois uh hope to see you in an england shirt one day i will be able to point at the screen and tell everyone that i spoke to you once so keep keep up your <laughs> progression abby keep up your brilliant work um on match fix as i said earlier um, I'm sure it's a fleeting visit with us before you go on to, to do bigger and better things. You've been fantastic so far. Um, and I hope um, to, we hope we do keep hold of you for a little while longer anyway. Um, but thanks for your hard work. And Alex, you should have picked the team 10 miles down the road. <laughs> <laughs> and you would have been a lot happier. Uh, everybody, uh, thanks for your time. It's been fantastic to speak to you. And uh, keep safe and stay strong. And look after each other. I'll see you soon. Later. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. 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 Football is finally back and we're buzzing. Get down to play today. The UK's leading app for next game availability. Download Down to Play from the App Store and Google Play. This week's Selk podcast was brought to you by Down to Play, the simple app for next game availability.